You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning, welcome to the World Football Program, one hundred seven point nine FM Radio Fremantle. Myself, Penny Tannerhoth, and Miranda Templeman are in the studio talking football for the next two hours. Good morning, Miranda. Morning, Penny. How are you? I'm very good. Weather's absolutely beautiful behind me, which means that a weekend of football is on the cards. Already saw it getting started down at Fremantle City on the way here. All the junior Saturday kids getting down there, which is great to see. It is. It is totally a weekend of football, junior football Saturdays, junior football Sundays, senior football from Friday evenings, Saturday evenings right through and some Wednesday games as well, especially with the WNPL. This year games are spread out, not in the traditional format, which is Mm. great. You can get across different leagues and see your kids play or see your mates play or just see a quality game of football different times of the weekend. It's terrific. Yeah, I'm loving it. And also the live streaming of the WMPL this year is a great addition and first round saw some great numbers of views. I think 50,000, over 50,000 over the four games, which is yep. fantastic. Yep. When you think of how many players are registered in West Australia, somewhere around the thirty-five to 40,000, mm. um, and how many people get down to games to watch men's NPL, women's NPL, uh, 50,000 who might be somewhere out there watching football is yeah. pretty good numbers. It might be better if we could get them down to games, maybe post-COVID, I'm not sure how mm. that's going to work, but um, think of all the pies and coffees that would get sold at canteens and add to the income down at the grounds. Yeah, I went down to the um, Perth versus Fremantle match on Sunday um, and there was a decent amount of people there, I think, and they've got obviously the things running up from Dorian Gardens their food and that, all that. So that was really good to see. Yes, we'll certainly talk to the Perth Soccer Club uh, coach, Danielle Brogan, in the show, as well as 
Um, stack of guests. We'll talk to Stefan Kluxnik, and you might know that surname. Brett is uh, Stefan's dad from Football WA and uh, local historian, also on the Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame WA. We'll talk to Jordan Whitford from um, FC Melville, Simon Hill, who is football commentating and a journalist, but I'm not quite sure what his final destination for 2020 is going to be after leaving Fox Sports. Mm. And we'll have a chat to Daniel Brogan, Perth Soccer Club, WNPL coach, and Tom Samani, who is the New Zealand Football Ferns coach. And you would know Tom from many years with the Matildas mm-hmm. in Australian football and also over with the WNSL, I think that's what it's called, in America with Orlando Pride. Mm. So he's certainly travelled the globe. Yeah, gotten around a bit. A much called for coach mm. and uh, still got a lot to give and he certainly has a lot to say. So he'll be a great chatterbox on the show a little bit later. Thank you everyone for listening in. You can live stream on the Radio Fremantle website, land on our Facebook page and give a shout out to anyone or put your news up there, the World Football Program Facebook page. We do appreciate memberships as well. It doesn't cost much to become a member. And it helps us um, meet our studio costs pretty much because we just do this because we love it. So we pay for studio time and um, equipment, etc. As a community station, everybody just puts in a bit and that keeps us going. We've been going more than 30 years. We do love it here. Lots of football to talk about. Even though the landscape changes like it has this year, it's been a very different football year, Miranda. Yeah, I found myself getting um, more knowledge on the background of the game, you know, with no football being played which is obviously as a player the area that I am most interested in, but getting a background on the financial and the um, background around football and what makes you know the football community tick was really interesting to find out. Absolutely, and I think that's where things like the history and the Hall of Fame and clubs just uh, polishing up their trophies and getting them in their... Um, the cabinets and just all the cleaning out the old stocks in the back rooms and all that kind of mm. stuff has happened over the past few months yeah. at, at home as well as football clubs and soccer clubs and whatever else. It's been a, a different kind of year, but football still goes on yep. a, l- a little bit longer into the year this year, which has its knock-on effects for a whole lot of other sports as well mm. and a whole lot of other competitions. And speaking of which, before we go to a break and then get our first guest on, um, big thank you to everybody that does support the World Football Program. Really do appreciate that in any way that you can support it, learning on our Facebook page and commenting or um, putting your hand in your pocket or partnering up with the program. West Coast Futsal really do appreciate uh, the futsal competitions out there, mainly north of the river and men's and women's competitions via their Superliga. Uh, Greg Farrell is the main man there at West Coast Futsal Prosperity Strata Management. That's Louis Prospero. He comes on and joins us on the team. He is also the chair of the Hall of Fame. If you have any questions or any projects you want to pass Louis's way, Prosperity Strata Management is the place to go there. Perth Glory Football Club, been a bit quiet in the last few months with um, no football on the National League horizon. Well, there is on the horizon now, but it certainly hasn't been the last few months. Uh, kind of hibernation for national football. Mm. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time for manufacture of gates and automation and Gate and Fence Hardware WA, which has been going through the roof with people doing their repairs and renovations at home. Thank you everyone, everyone for supporting those businesses. We will go to a break and talk more football very shortly. Um, there is one thing I do want to say though. 
Is it uh, Miranda and myself, obviously, females, female football. We're going to talk <laughs> a lot of female football today. I'll state it up front. Um, one of the things that I, I really liked about the last couple of weeks was that a lot of information about women's football has been in the news. Women's mm. World Cup, obviously, successful bid, Australia, New Zealand. But there's kind of been an exodus of players from Australia to Europe and the UK. And I've been watching the football landscape. We're not not supposed to be travelling in and out of uh, West Australia. The borders are closed, mm-hmm. but this travel still happens. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Clive Palmer must be a bit annoyed about that. Mm. You know, business isn't happening on some levels, but it's happening on others. And I think, well, Australia has a lot of talent and that talent's going to Europe and to the UK. And is that a good thing for Australia? I don't know, but is it a good thing for the individuals? Yes, absolutely Mm. it is. And coming up to the Women's World Cup in a few years, we want those players to be tested and in the best competitive environment they can be to become better footballers. Yeah, 100%. So when they land at the Women's World Cup, the coach, whoever that might be at the time, is going to have to gather them mm-hmm. and get them working together as a tight unit and he'll have to gather them from places all around the world. Yeah. I think that even over the past couple of weeks, I think, you know, we've got Lydia Williams who's gone to Arsenal and Mackenzie Arnold to West Ham. So there's your first two goalkeepers going over to England um, and already joining an array of um, top flight players from Australia going over there and all a spread of different teams. And I think really what that means for the W League we're yet to see because I think we have to decide whether we want to become a league that develops players and that's our goal. You know, we take young players in, we develop them until they hit the 24, 25 where they're peaking and then send them over to the big clubs in England or do we want to retain those players and attract other players, England's players coming here? Yep. What you're saying there is exactly the same thing that we say about men's football. Mm. So do we want our best players to be playing here and seeing them play Mm. and developing them and then putting them into our best leagues and making our best leagues even better? Mm -hmm. Or do those players need to seek opportunities elsewhere? Do we get money for that? Mm. So the club that has trained them here, do they get a good transfer fee or some kind of retainer or commission or something? These are questions that continue. (laughs) We will talk more about all of that when we come back from this short break. This is Penny and Miranda on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. 107.9 FM, your local station. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With 
four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny and Miranda in the studio with you this morning until 12 o'clock. Lots of football to be talking about. And we are talking a lot about um, the NPL because Football West this year are putting all of the games live onto YouTube and streaming. That's the women's NPL and the men's NPL. So if we just say NPL, we're talking across both now. So if you want to find out any of the information about that, uh, I reckon it's best to get onto the Football West Facebook page. They've got links to all the games um, and they keep putting those links right through the weekend so that you can find out um, where and when and, and everything like that. You could be a land room lizard if you want to or you can get out there in this beautiful weather and watch the games. So the men's NPL games are today. The women's NPL games are tomorrow, but there are lots of other games as well, State League and Amateur, Masters. Er- everything's back on now. Mm. So we're into the second round of the NPL and about the f- – Fourth round Fourth, yeah. of all the other leagues. And it's a good morning to Stefan Kluxnik. Hi there. Stefan, good morning to you. Stefan, are you there? Oh, I think we might have lost Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm getting him back, Miranda. Would mm. you like to just go through the um, results from the men's NPL? I can and do, bring, of course. Yep, and I'll get him back on. So we had a the Friday night game was um, Bayswater versus Perth with a one-all draw, a couple of draws. But I think the big result was Rockingham versus Sorrento with Sorrento um, winning 6-1. So that brings them after one round to the top of the table um, with a five-goal difference. But obviously, um, Florida Athena on three points as well, beating Armadale 3-1 and ECU Joondalup, beating Coburn 2-0 and then a few teams on the draw, so Grollup Croatia and Inglewood with a 1-1 draw, as well as Barcada and Perth Glory with that 1-1 draw as well. So, and then we had the opening for the women's NPL, so opening round of that, which I don't think anything went to plan, really. You had um, Redbacks beating Subi 4-0 with Sarah Carroll scoring all four of their goals. Um, on the Friday night game, was my first game back and we played Curtin Uni in a 2-2 draw, which was, um, I don't think he expected as well. I think we really wanted those three points and ended up a bit of a um, physical battle in the on the pitch as well. But um, the massive upset, I think, was Perth beating Fremantle. The odds, um, the bookie odds in the game were 21 to 1 for Fremantle <laughs> to win. And I know Brogan told her players that after the game, not before the game, and... I think that was amazing. What I did like about the uh, YouTube streaming is that um, you could flick between all the games mm. and uh, the quality of the pitches and um, the stadia was great. Yeah. I was really impressed with that. Mm. That's uh, yeah, a good step for women's football. Uh, men's football may be already there and women's football are stepping up there into the same space. Mm-hmm. 
Stefan, good morning to you. Good morning. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a glitch there with the phones, but welcome to the World Football Program. Really do appreciate your time today. And um, I will just state it out there that uh, Brett is your is your dad and Brett comes on this show and I know him very well. So uh, surname, can you pronounce it for me? Go for it. Klushnik. Klushnik. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Got it. Um, and your dad coaches you, correct? Yeah. Okay. What age group are you in? Uh, under 14s. Under 14s, cool. And Morley Windmills is your club? Yeah. Okay. How long have you been playing football? Um, I think I've been playing for – I've play, been playing for a team for about five years, but I was playing like grasshopper before that. Yep. Grasshopper, that's kind of like mini football with like maybe five yeah. or six players. Mm. So, yeah, that's good. It's a good platform to be introduced to mates and the concept of football and having a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I did grasshopper soccer when I was four um, when I was quite young, but my parents ended up pulling me out of it because I tried to take a nap during the middle of the games. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to play and then didn't play football again until I was like 10. Yes, my daughter, my daughter did strange things like that. In fact, there was lots of seagulls that got attention during the games <laughs> and the balls would go past and all the parents on the sideline would be going, there's the ball, there's the ball on the ground. <laughs> funny. Yeah, kids, um, focus gets a little better after yeah. the age of uh, about seven, I reckon, yeah. seven or eight. What's your favourite position, Stefan? Oh, I think probably about like midfield. And is, is your dad pretty good at putting you in the best position for you or, or does he rotate players so they get used to things? Uh, he puts players in like mainly the best positions that they play in. But if we're like dominating the game, he'll switch people around. Yep, that's good. That's what it's all about. Mm. Does everybody get equal time? Uh, yeah. Yep, that's uh, good. Yeah, if people don't come to training stuff, then they'll get less time, but... Yeah. Mainly equal, yeah. That that's pretty fair, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Is your dad a tough coach? Is he tougher on you? <laughs> um, uh, I don't think so. I think it's pretty equal. That's good. Yeah, I know that my daughter. She's also thirteen. She plays in my team, and I was a little bit worried when I coached. Was saying I was going to coach her this year that she wouldn't like it because I'm sorry, but at the age of thirteen, like you start to be your own person and you get a little bit of attitude. Yeah. And um, she yeah. was definitely showing me attitude off the park. So I was like, well, I'm not sure I want to coach you this year. But she's like, yeah, that's okay, Mum. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, what about uh, ambitions in football? Uh, I don't know. I just play with, like, friends. I don't really have, like, any main ambitions. You don't want to play for Perth Glory or Australia? Uh, no. Or... Uh, no, not really. I just play. It's fun and I go play with friends. That's good. That's one of the main reasons that people play football for life is mm. that they don't, maybe if they had an ambition and they didn't quite meet the ambition, they might be a bit disappointed, um, lack the confidence to keep on going. But if you've got mates and you enjoy it, you probably play for life and that's what we want really. We want mm. you to have fun, yeah. keep fit, be healthy. That's what sport's all about as well. Yeah. Hmm. Do you watch football? Do you have a favourite team or a favourite player? Uh, I watch it sometimes. Uh, when it's World Cup, me and my dad normally get up quite early. <laughs> Does he drag yeah. you up? Is he like, come on, get out of bed? Uh, yeah. No, it's my choice normally. Early alarm. Yeah. 
Do you follow a team in the English Football League or in Europe? Oh, yeah. Oh, I Tottenham. Tottenham? Oh, yes. Is that your dad's team or is that your team? Ah, uh, both. Okay. All right. Good. So do you follow it to the extent of um, you have Optus and you watch the games or when you go on holiday over there, you go and watch the games? You got uh, a scarf and we a shirt? To, um, uh, I got two shirts and went to Melbourne when they came over. Oh, that's brilliant. A couple of years back. Yep, yep, yep. There's been a few good teams that come over mm. over to Australia over the past nth number of years. Well, Chelsea, of course, came yeah. to the Optus Stadium mm-hmm. and Manchester United. United. Yep. yep. Did you go and watch those games? Oh, we were away in Europe when they came over last year, oh. I think. Okay. Sure. Yep. All right. Um, and what do you think about the current situation with COVID-19? Do you reckon it's changed anything about football for you that means, you know, it, I don't know, it affects you being able to play football or be with your mates or anything like that, that that's mattered in a big way? Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people have dropped out playing, but mm. no one I really know has, like, stopped playing because of it. That's good. Mm. Yep, that yeah. that shows a real um, bond and, and a mateship in the team. Mm. Yeah. And I, I do have a question. After you, Have you started your games again this year? Yeah. Yeah. After, three weeks ago, I think. That's good. After your games, do the referees let you shake hands? Hmm. Uh, it's kind of been like, kind like yeah, I know. Yeah. We're either shaking hands or like bumping elbows. Yeah, that's what I found as well. It's kind of, it depends on the referee, what you have. You know, I've yeah. had some people, is that elbow bump, some people fist bump, some people just like, yeah, shake hands. But I mean, if you're spending 90 minutes on the park together, I don't see why it's a massive difference. Yeah. I think we're doing, yeah, it depends on the referee, mm. really, as you said. Yeah, it's an interesting question because for me, being a coach and being socially responsible, it's mm-hmm. kind of keep your distance, but we're going to play sport. Um, and then you can't shake hands, um, so you should do an elbow bump. So I've, I've nominated a leadership group for my 13s girls team or 14s girls team and I say to them, let's go and talk to the other team before the match and find out what they'd like to do, mm. whether they want to do an elbow bump or a, whatever they want to do. So the girls kind of sort that out and then the referee comes over and before I know it he puts his hand in front of me and goes, go ahead, coach, and shakes my hand. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then the girls do high fives at the end of a match anyway. Yeah. I do find, especially um, playing in the – um, women's NPL where a lot of players know each other quite well on different teams um, and it's usually used after the game being like giving them a hug and saying, oh, how are you going, how you been and catching up with them but um, it's kind of different now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is very different. Um, what about some role models in football, Stefan? Do you, um, I know you play for, you know, mateship and uh, a lot of fun but do you have some particular players that maybe have inspired you or you like watching them play? Oh, I like watching Tim Cahill, of course. Mm-hmm. He's someone that uh, I've watched a lot. He's been playing for so long. Yep. Um, what and, about – sorry, go on. And also like Harry Kane, I think, at Tottenham. Oh, yeah? Excellent footballer. Mm. And what about your team so far? How have they gone this year? Oh, we've done pretty good. I think we've played three or four games. We lost one and won the other ones. Pretty good record so far. Yep. Is that a, is, is that a reflection on your dad's coaching or the team <laughs> being pretty cool? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> um, do you want to give a shout out to any of your mates before we let you go? Oh, probably Charlie and Carlos. They're two mates from primary school that I've been friends with, and they've come playing through like three years, I think. Yep. Okay. Well, good luck in your game this weekend, and thank mm. you for joining us. I hope you have good fun yeah. in the game tomorrow. Will do. Good on you. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks, mate. See ya. Have a good weekend. Bye. That was Stefan Kushnik, under-14s, Morley Windmills, just joining us for a football chat. <laughs> um, it's nice to just uh, have a break in all the adult stuff yeah. and just talk kids stuff for a while. <laughs> it's good. Kids are usually pretty shy and coming on the radio. Yeah. Yes, no answers, but um, it's pretty relaxed. That's yeah, good. it's good. Yes. Okay, um, before we go into another break um, – you gave the WNPL results before and the men's NPL. Mm. Okay. Very I good. think the only one I didn't say was um, the Barcada Murdoch game was 3 2 to Barcada, which again yeah. was another upset. So I don't think really WNPL went exacted, exactly the way people expected this week. But yep. um, that was a good game. It was um, all, all guns blazing for the first like 20 minutes. I think Barcada scored. Two very quickly, and then Mum FC replied with two, and it was two two at half time. And um, Mum FC seemed to. I went and caught the second half of that game, went to the ground, and Mum FC seemed to be dominating a lot of the game possession wise. Just weren't capitalising in backhander. Caught them on the break one times, and that was it. Three two. Indeed, uh, and so heading into round two of all the fixtures um, this week. Football West uh, are going to live stream all the fixtures. We'll keep saying that because I think that's a, a, an amazing initiative by yeah, them to, to cover that. I'm not quite sure if all the, <clears throat> excuse me, all the states around Australia are doing that. I know that um, uh, Victoria, Victoria definitely yeah. been doing it. They're probably the first, I think. They, yeah. Their website and their coverage of games locally is excellent. Mm. Um, they've got some excellent quality games to watch. I, I log in every now and again and watch them, the men's games. Um, I, I do think ACT do it as well because I remember one of my teammates watching her club back home while we were away in Thailand. Yep. And when Lisa Devana was over with South Melbourne, I was watching a few of their games. Yep. Um, yep, but uh, men's NPL games uh, live-streamed. So you get onto Football West website and catch all the information about that. Uh, also on our World Football page, if you want to lob any information on there, anyone who's listening in, please do so. We're going to have a chat to Jordan Whitford very shortly. This is Penn and Miranda on the World Football Program. Back soon. 107.9 FM, your local station. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. We are one, but we are many. 
Welcome back to the World Football Program Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, talking more football. And if anybody does want to send through a message to us, feel free. My mobile is 0408921832. So I appreciate anyone who wants to give a shout out to anyone or put some questions to our guests. You can either lob them onto the World Football Program Facebook page or send them through to that text number. Myself, Penny Tannerhoth, and Miranda Templeman, aspiring goalkeeper for the Matildas squad. We are hoping she's going to make the Women's World Cup 2023. <laughs> is in the studio with me. <laughs> You'll get there, Miranda. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If not this one, maybe the next one. Yeah. You'll be right. Doing all the right things. It's good. We've got Jordan Whitford who's going to join us now. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning. Penny? You almost called me coach, didn't you? I could just feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We're having a very relaxed morning talking to young people about their experience in football. So tell us how long you've been playing football. Uh, Around about five years, but I didn't play last year due to an unrelated back injury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how's the injury panning out for you this year? Uh, Yeah, really good because now that my back doesn't hurt I can play for longer compared to previous seasons where I've had to come off because my back. Yep yep fair enough and what's your preferred playing position? Uh, either goals or full back. Okay yep I can see that and I'm happy with that as your coach. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you have any ambitions to play at high levels of football or are you happy uh, playing in a team and enjoying the the game for fun? I'm happy with just playing in a team and enjoying the game. Yeah. Yeah, go on, sorry. Because I'm not that competitive, I don't think. Um, I don't know about that. When I see you play on the park, <laughs> you get stuck in, kid. You do all right. <laughs> um, and what about um, your your um, football at a higher level? Do you have any, like, role models? Do you, are there any famous footballers out there, any teams that you support or any games that you might like to go and watch? Uh, no, I don't really watch sport and, and any form. Okay. I just play so I just play football. Okay. So what inspired you to play football? Uh my friend started playing football and she told me that it was fun so I start, so I tried playing football and it's fun so yeah. I continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. And what are what are other things that you like about playing football? What's the fun parts? I like just Kicking the ball to uh, kicking the ball down the pitch, and also being able to make new friends when I join a new team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, eleven people on the park once you hit the uh, thirteen years of age thing. So it's mm-hmm. certainly a lot of people in your team that you got to make friends with. That doesn't change no matter how high you play. I think the friends you make in football is a massive part of why you keep coming back and. I think the more time you spend with each other, you know, the more they feel like family and it's just a great environment to be around. Yeah. I, I think that in, as an adult I've played for probably four four decades now or been involved with the game for four decades, which mm. is a long time, and I didn't start 
playing till I was your age, Jordan, because there just wasn't a whole lot of football mm. around back then. But um, there was just, I think there's one or two leagues and everybody played. There wasn't like juniors, 11, 13, 14. So there mm. was just like an open age. Yeah. So there were some pretty young kids like me playing with some pretty senior players. Yeah. And they were like my mum. <laughs> and they took me to games and they looked after me and mm. dragged me to the pub afterwards <laughs> and to parties and, and all kinds of things. But they looked after me. And yeah. that environment fostered uh, mateship. Mm. And I made lifelong friends, learned some pretty good skills from some amazing footballers, played alongside some Matildas like Sharon Madrigan and Judy Pettit mm. and Sandra Brentnell, yeah. played against them as well, which was pretty hard. <laughs> but um, I learned a lot and had some really good experiences, some really good life experiences mm. actually. And um, you don't always win and you don't always play in your preferred playing position. You don't always play on the park. Mm. When I played state team first couple of years, I was certainly not a first choice player and that just made me want to work harder. Yeah. And yeah, eventually I was a first choice player and yeah, love it. Just love it. All the travel too, Jordan. I love the Ooh, travel. Yes. See um, the world. Going on you know, the team bonding sessions and then going on the cups at the end of the year yeah. and then just out of season doing stuff together. What's your favourite part about football, Jordan, when you're not on the park? Do you have activities with your team? Uh, yeah, I like the team bonding sessions that we have. Like bowling was fun. Yep, 10-pin bowling, sure. I must say um, – for me, uh, I like doing – once you become mates, you can do just anything mm. and, and if you're with mates, then you enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. Makes you want to come back and play with a team and be a better team, I reckon. Yeah. I remember we had um, a bowling – well, while we were over in the AAS for nationals, they had – you have a day off in the middle and we usually go out and do mini golf or bowling. And I remember my first year they had a goalkeeper's talk – on the free days, so me and Morgan, the other goalkeepers, had to stay at the AIS and listen to the goalkeeping. And everyone talk. else went and had fun. Everyone else went bowling <laughs> without us. That's a bit rough. Yeah, but Gosh. it was it was a good talk. It was a good talk, but <laughs> still missed bowling. <laughs> Has your mum or dad ever coached you at football, Jordan? Uh, yeah, and it helps that mum was also a goalkeeper when she played soccer. Absolutely. Yep. Did she give you some tips when you first started playing football? Yeah, and she still helps. Like, she tells me to imagine that the goal is something that I like my dog because I don't want anyone hurting my dog. So <laughs> I don't want the ball to go into the goal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's good. Interesting. I like it. Do you have a goal for the season, like, um, if you're playing goals, you you won't let more than, say, five goals in for the season or if you play on the park, you don't want to let any of the attackers get past you so many times or do you have, a, like, a set objective for yourself for the season? Uh, not really. I just I want to make a lot more friends and have fun. Yeah, fun is good. Mm. Yeah, How's your team been going this year? How do you think they've been going? Uh, yeah, they're really good considering that some of us have played for a couple of seasons, a couple of seasons together, others haven't. Yep. But do you think the team's coming together okay? Yeah. 
Yeah, scoring a few goals, getting a few passes together, turning up to the games and turning up to training. They're all good signs, of course, that things are happening that the coach might like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about um, understanding the the coach and what the coach wants out of the team? Do you think that yourself and the – and the team understand what the coach is trying to teach the team? Yes, because the coach makes the objob- objective of the game clear at before we actually start playing. Win some brownie points there, Jordan. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that the players are, are playing in um, positions that they prefer to play in or – or are being moved into uh, positions to help them learn about things or, or put in positions to win games? What do you reckon about that? Well, right now, Coach is just putting us in different positions to see where our strengths are and our weaknesses are. Yep. And um, she... If someone asks not to be put in a position, she won't put them there because they might not be as good there and that might be why they're asking not to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's playing us to our strength. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I do, I do think that, you know, rotating around positions is a massive part, especially with youth, youth football. I remember when I was younger, I think, you know, probably around your age, Jordan, um, I just made my first state team for goalkeeper and my coach pulled me aside in my club training and said, you know, it's good that, you know, you're developing as a goalkeeper, but I'm going to put you in centre-back this weekend because I think you need to work on your defensive. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. <laughs> like, I thought you were going to say attacker. Yeah. Well, I liked attacker back then. I didn't like centre-back, but um, no, attacker was probably my second favourite position. I can't imagine you in any other position other than in goals, Miranda. Uh, I think I'd be a bit rusty by now. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't played on the park for like, what, five years? <laughs> Did you always have an aspiration to play in goals? No, I played up front for probably the first two years. So when I was 10 to 12 and then started doing a bit of, you know, they said I was playing at Melbourne at the time and they said, does anyone want to come over? We're adding some goalkeeper trainings to this session and this is when people were rotating through goals every week. And yep. I said, yeah, right. Ended up falling in love with it and I've been chucked in goals ever since. Okay. And you always have a big smile on your face, so I'm assuming <laughs> that love is still there and the passion and motivation. And you play a lot of football. You do a lot of training. Yeah. I feel like, well, I've been goalkeeping for, yeah, five years now. Um, and I think I've probably been on the sideline for injury over a third of that. Um, and I think mentally it's obviously hard, but when I am on the park, I think I just enjoy it that little bit more and I you know I find myself you know the ball was up the other end I'm doing absolutely nothing I'm just standing there in goals and I'll just smile because I'm so grateful to be on the park doing what I love. What do you do to keep motivated when your team is doing so well that the ball is up the other end of the park most of the time? Um, I think I just have to stay focused because I can get distracted that's one of the things that I have to work on so um, you know following the play um, making sure I'm in the right position all the time, talking to my defence, making sure I'm mentally switched on. Um, and I think the hardest games are where you're completely dominating the game and you're not doing anything. 
that's really hard because you have to stay mentally switched on the whole time. So if they hit a quick counter, you're ready because you can be dominating the entire game, not <coughs> score a goal, and they can come back and punish you at the other end if you're not mentally switched on. Yes, absolutely. Seagulls and naps and all those <laughs> things can happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordan, what about um, how your team is going? You're into probably – oh, you've got to buy this Sunday, but mm. there'll be – about the third or fourth game in the Sunday after that. How do you think that the team has been going? Uh, yeah, I think that we learnt a lot from the game that we lost and we've used that to improve with the other games. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a massive that's skill. That's a coach's yeah. dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Um, we didn't. Uh, get from you. Do you have any like famous footballers that you follow, like um, I don't know, in Australia? Um, well, can you name any Australian goalkeepers? Do you follow football like that? No. No way. You didn't even name okay. me. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll say Miranda Templeman and Tracy Wheelie, yeah. goalkeeper yeah. trainers. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, Lydia Williams, who is from Western Australia originally, but played a lot of her football over east of Australia and is now over in the UK playing football. Arsenal. And mm-hmm. Mackenzie Arnold, who played for Perth Glory in Australia, and mm-hmm. she's over in the UK. These are goalkeepers, Jordan. Um, a lot of Australian players, professional players and Matildas are leaving Australia and going to play in the UK and Europe because they're being offered professional contracts. Mm. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how our domestic league pans out over the next you know, summer. Yeah, I don't think the youth com- um, players are complaining, you know. Not a at lo- all. A lot of opportunities now for young players to come through. Yeah. Um, and especially for players in WA or South Australia where maybe you don't really get that look in yes. from Australian coaches because, you know, if you're in Sydney or Melbourne, you've got Australian coaches coming to your games on the weekend yep. and watching you play and watching you develop. But really the only way to get a look in is if you're over in nationals or if you're being streamed on the W League and they can see you in a, a professional environment. Nothing like being there. Jordan, really appreciate your time today. I hope with this beautiful sunshine you'll get out there and walk the dog or kick a ball or just enjoy <laughs> yourself. And enjoy your weekend, Jordan. Yep, you too. Thanks for your time. See, See ya. ya. Thank you. See ya. That was Jordan Whitford. She plays for Mum FC or Melville. I should have asked her, does she say Mum FC or Melville? I still say Melville. I still saw Melville. Yeah. Um, this is Penny and Miranda, and we're going to go to a break and come back and chat with Simon Hill. This is the World Football Programme. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia. 
recognizing the Western Australian football community. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our uh, banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. eruption of cheering, yelling and flag wave. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Unusual. Uh, concerning. Long. Interrupted. Unfinished. Brilliant. Testing. Open for business once again. For a roll in the crowd, Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic. That's massive, you know, and you know, I think everyone's a little bit nervous in the world at the minute. We can't recall something like this happening before. We've had to, uh, and I say unfortunately, postpone the A-League. Quarantine and we can't leave the house. This is, I think, day nine for us now. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Just a, a little bit of what's been happening out there in crazy, crazy everything at the moment. But um, <laughs> things are starting to kick back in in some kind of way. What's keeping you interested in football at the moment, Simon? Uh, what is keeping me interested in football? Um, well, looking looking for a job. But obviously, you know, the, the Premier League being back. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to, you know, the A-League returning as well. Uh, obviously, I'm, um, you know, this point's going to be very strange for me not working on it for Fox. But, uh, you know, that's life. And, um, you know, hopefully I won't be away for too long. So, yeah. Yep, I can't see you being away for too long at all, Simon. No. Just a matter of time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So A-League's planned to be back in, well, only a number of days now. Mm. Um, I don't know how this hub football is going to work because the, the landscape is changing. Like the movement in and out of places is just – it's difficult at the moment with what's happening over in Victoria and New South Wales and we want to put the hub in New South Wales but there's challenges with that and it's you know, really the safest place here is in WA. Why doesn't everyone come to WA and just stay here? <laughs> well, did you invite us? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Look, I think, you know, obviously Sydney – was 
probably a sensible option because we've got uh, you know four teams in New South Wales, so they didn't need uh, to get on planes. Mm. Uh, everybody would have needed to get on a plane to go to Perth, with the greatest respect to your fair city. Yes. Um, the issue has been really the three teams from Victoria because of this massive spike in, in the coronavirus. Mm. Um, so obviously it's been a difficult week for the FFA. Uh, have they handled it brilliantly? Nah, probably not, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, yeah. It probably could have been done better. Although I do have sympathy, you know, for Greg O'Rourke and for people at the FFA because they're seriously understaffed. Uh, they're reacting to, uh, you know, problems that are, are changing and evolving almost on a daily basis. It must be hellish difficult to try and coordinate everything. Mm. Um, anyway, the good news is, is that, you know, finally they got the exemption yeah. yesterday for the three teams. And I've seen the pictures this morning that, they've, you know, they've landed in Sydney. So they're here. Yes. So do you think that being understaffed and the landscape changing is really, you know, a problem that they could have worked through a bit better? Because if you look at the other other sports, other sports have got the same challenges and they've already sorted some of the things that we're still sorting out. Yeah, but they've got, they've got more money, Pam. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's the biggest problem, you know. We're a sport that is chronically underfunded mm. and uh, under serious duress and you know, I know that the other codes have taken a bit of a hit in terms of their TV deal. Ours has been half. Yeah. And we were only on $57 million a year to start off with. So, you know, we're, we're really operating off the smell of an oily rag. I don't think people quite understand that. They see, you know, the glitz and the glamour of a grand final or a big blue or a, or a derby game. And, you know, they think this game is, is very similar to uh, uh, the AFL and Rugby League in terms of, it's financing, but it's not. Mm. Um, so I think we have to be mindful of that. Yes, I guess so. We do. Are, are we still in consideration of shifting our season? Do you think uh, from winter to summer, or summer to winter? I should say. Uh, look, I, I think it's worth a try. Um, I, I'm not saying it's the panacea, but I can see uh, why James Johnson, in particular, wants to try it. Uh, there are good reasons to, to want to try it. Uh, a couple being it aligns um, the A League and the MPL season. Uh, you know, so we have uh, the whole of the sport playing at the same time of the year. That's crucial if you're going to have a national second division and ultimately promotion relegation, which are, uh, you know most people in the football community seem to want. Mm. And, and I'm one of them, by the way. Uh, so that's the first thing. Secondly, you know, it aligns us with uh, Asia, gives our teams a better chance mm. in the Champions League. Thirdly, I think it provides better conditions for our players. The, the worst thing in the A-League for me, and I've, I've called many games obviously down the years, is 40 degree plus temperatures, blazing yeah. sunlight, pitches that are rock hard. How can we expect our players to give their best in those sorts of conditions? So mm-hmm. that's another factor. Um, and, and, and finally, you know, we used to have the A-League in summer because that was where the clear air was. Well, that clear air is gone. Mm. The, the other codes have, have moved into that. We've got AFLW, we've got Big Bash, men's and women's cricket. You know, there, there is no clear air. So a lot of people are saying, oh, well, we're, we're coming up against, you know, AFL and rugby league. Yes, we are. But how do we avoid them? Mm. When do we start? Do, you know, we shouldn't have to apologise mm. for what we are. And I think as a sport, it, and this is where I agree with James, is we've got to a point where we've got to say, stop the other coast. We're going to do what's best for football. Yeah. And yeah. That's, I agree with that, mm. quite honestly. Uh, yeah, well, I think we've... 
we've kind of considered everything in the shift and you're right, there's no clear air, air anymore. So, you know, if we've got to consider the impact of COVID, the income, the spectators' um, participation, yeah. people are reserved about everything in life now that is being presented. You know, just there's so many things to consider. We've got to consider what is best for football, like on its own, what well, is best. We, we do. And, you know, also don't forget that we've got a World Cup coming up in Qatar in 2022 that's in the winter. So we're going to have to shift the season anyway. And the Women's World Cup is um, going to be in July, August. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, with COVID, there is an opportunity now that the next season will kick off in December. So we're going to go December to July. Now, really, that's, that's, you know, we're still going to kick off in the the hot summer months. We're just going to extend a bit longer into winter. Um, I don't don't know whether that's the solution either, but I I think it's worth trying. And let's be honest, after years of inertia, at least somebody's going, let's try and find some solutions. If it doesn't work, okay, well, you can move back. Yes. But at least he's trying to find some solutions. And goodness me, we need them. Mm. Yeah, I think now's the perfect time. Yeah. Uh, we've got the the hub for the A-League, well, that, that shortened kind of end of this current season finishing and then a consideration for what the new season is going to look like and when it will start. Mm. So you know, nothing is set at this moment. So we've got no. you know, space to it's, change. It's, it's not set. It's not set. And, you know, over the next 12 months, I think you're going to see an awful lot of other changes as well. Mm. I, I think there has to be. You know, we we, we have essentially been given um, a little bit of a lifeline by the extension of the Fox deal. Well, it's actually a reduction of the Fox deal. But, uh, you know, we, we have got a TV deal for, for 12 months that keeps our clubs alive just about for the next 12 months. Mm. Now, this in the next six months, the game simply has to find solutions to its problems. Yeah. Um, it, because, you know, we just don't know if, if, if there is going to be a broadcasting deal there after July 2021. It's only 12 months away. So the clock is already ticking. The game has to be innovative. It has to explore all the new digital solutions. Uh, and, I, you know, I've heard all the stories about, you know, FFA TV, and that could be a possibility. But it's got to get its act together because that time is very nearly running out on the professional game here. And if we get to a point in 12 months' time where we haven't made progress and we're still fighting amongst each other, well, you know, maybe at that point we have to actually hold our hands up and say Australia just is not mature enough as a country to have a professional football league. Mm-hmm. And that's the brutal on it too. You're right about the digital technology there. Here in West Australia, Football West have chosen to not send match reporters to all of the grounds of the top end leagues, but to live stream all of the top end. So yeah. the women's yeah. uh, national premier league and the men's national premier league all went live stream last week in their first round. Mm-hmm. They had over 50,000 yeah. watching the women's NPL, which that kind of blew my mind. Mm. So well, if, you, if you think, if you think Penn, uh, 50,000 for the women's NPL, probably the same, maybe even more for the men's. I don't know what the, what the figures were. They weren't as if high. Really? Okay. Well, if you replicate that around the country, you know, you're you're talking in terms of, you know, close to potentially half a million, three quarters of a million people watching that streaming set. If you chuck the A League on top of that and put it all together in one platform, mm. and all of a sudden, you know, you you've got that uh, that two million playing base that has been the missing part of the jigsaw puzzle for so many years, and that's very very attractive to advertisers and sponsors. Yes. So. There are potential solutions there. Uh, it's whether the technology is good enough. It's whether they they can find the money to invest because obviously you know setting these things up 
costs a lot of money, um, and whether they can actually agree on that plan. And that's probably the key to it all, because as we know in this game, you know, people unite for a little while and then they split off into their little fights and be they regional or, uh, you know, to do with certain demographics or whatever. So, you know, the, the, the game really is at a tipping point and, and its future is, is in its own hands, uh, but it, it's got to use these next 12 months carefully. Otherwise, you know, we could be dead in the water as a professional league at least. Mm. Uh, I think one of the things that has united us all in the past three or four months uh, besides it being the obvious COVID-19, is that um, a lot of people have watched more television and digital platforms. Mm. And um, when the 50,000 figure came out for the WNPL, I went, oh, far out. Mm. How do we take advantage of that? I mean, yeah. we're watching and it's free. Um, but, yeah. you know, you mentioned about the FFA TV and how that lands in the football space is going to be very interesting because if there's a, a big appetite for it, then hopefully yeah. it creates – a market for investment, which is what FFA need. Of course, we need investment. And if it's not people coming to games, how is the other area going to create investment? Um, mm. we, you know, we talked about the um, what's that? The the E League thing as yeah, well. How yeah. the, a lot of people are taking that up, but how does that create an income? Revenue. They're yeah. not actually getting down to games. Yeah. And we've, you know, you Simon and and and, and I and, and us here, we've talked about how do we get bums on seats because that's what we really want to support. At the ground, the club needs to get ticket sales. They need to get, you know, income for the canteen and merchandising, whatever it, it, it at the actual ground. But if it's not going to happen that way, mm. how do we capture it? Well, I do think. Um, well, I don't know if this is too little, too late. But twenty twenty three Women's World Cup will bring in money, and um, the French Football Federation recently released a report on the financial side of that benefits of hosting the World yep. Cup, and they were saying that every dollar they spent on it gave a $20 return. Okay. And yep. it's just... 175 million Australian profit, I think they made yeah. on, on the Women's World Cup in France uh, 2019. So, And that was you know, five-fold increase in, from the yeah, 2015. And, and, and given that the next, the, the one in Australia and New Zealand will be bigger mm. in terms of teams, you would imagine that that profit margin will be even larger. Yeah. So... You know, what we have to ensure as a game as well uh, is that that, that build-up and that investment in such a big tournament and the returns it's going to bring for our country and for New Zealand as mm, well, mm. Uh, that football as a sport reaps the reward of that. Yeah. And, you know, too often in the past, and I know the late Mike Cockle used to go on about this, the Sydney Olympics, the, the, you know, that football was, I think, the most watched sport at the Sydney Olympics. And yet we didn't get any sort of legacy from it, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and the Women's World Cup, you, you, I'll give you one example. You know, Highmarsh Stadium in Adelaide, which is a great little venue, but desperately needs uh, an upgrade. It mm. needs, you know, roofs on the on the stands and it needs uh, the corners filling in. Probably various other works need to, to, to bring it up to a modern all-seater stadium. And the government there have promised a three million touch-up for it, which is basically a lick of paint, a new toilet or two, you know. I mean, come on. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they spent how many? $650 million on Adelaide Oval, mm. and we get $3 million to bring the world here? You know, this is the sort of myopic thinking that we need to challenge. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, but uh, the Women's World Cup does offer us, you know, that, that, that big opportunity with the world watching to say to our government, both state and federal, hey, come on. It's time you invested in this sport because it's the biggest participation sport in the country. In mm. fairness, in your neck of the woods, I think football 
Well, West has just got a new home, hasn't it? So, yes. Well yeah. done, uh, state government, WA. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I feel with the Women's World Cup, it's an opportunity for this country to investigate, follow research, throw investment into an area that is not uh, already uh, invested into um, the, men, the men's football side of things um, in terms of the, the different factions, the way they've gone about things before, how they've invested money, like women's football. There's never been a Women's World Cup in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, it's the first joint bid. Um, the two countries are uh, you know, pretty going a lot better than the rest of the world in terms of COVID-19. So we're, we're travelling, we're seen as a fairly safe place. There's a lot of good things um, and you look at the figures of the live streaming, um, if we can capture that and somehow other things that will add to the women's football kind of marketplace, then we're going to add a lot of value to you know, participation numbers, which is what we need. It creates income and then revenue streams from that. I think there's a lot of potential there, Simon. Uh, well, was, I mean, there was a lot in what you said there, Penn. Um, yep. <laughs> I took out a couple of things. Uh, first of all, look, I agree with you. I mean, women's football needs, uh, a, a, you know, a very close look at it. I, th- I think that, you know, the W League as, as the shop front uh, needs to be expanded. There's mm. talk of a women's national second division. I wouldn't disagree with that either. Certainly a women's FFA Cup. I think we definitely need that. Mm. Uh, we need our Asian partners to come on board uh, with a Women's Champions League, a fully-fledged Asian Champions League for women. That certainly needs to happen. But, you know, on a general level, I, I don't I don't want this to be split into, well, this should be women's football. This is for all football. Yeah, you know? 100%. It's, now, I, I, I've heard over the last few years, particularly from, from people involved in women's football, uh, we don't want to hear women's football or men's football. It's just football. Yeah. And I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, now I'm hearing... Well, it's got to be for women's football. Well, it can't be both ways. And I think it has to be for the whole sport because the whole sport uh, has suffered down the years from a lack of investment. So mm. I'm hoping this will help all areas. But one more thing on what you said. Uh, you're saying it, you know, we should, participation numbers are the, are the key to it. Well, I, I'll slightly disagree with that. We've got more than enough players, more than enough, too many players in, in many ways. Mm. You know, we haven't got enough pitches for them. What we don't have, is paying spectators, yeah. either at the ground or watching on TV. Mm. That's the key to the problem, and it's the part of the puzzle that people fail to see every single time. We get caught up in arguments about participation numbers, youth development, coach development, player pathways. They're all important topics, but without the paying spectator, without the big numbers watching on TV... Advertisers don't invest, sponsors don't come, TV deals don't appear, and you've got no pathways for players or coaches anyway because yeah. the league will die. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really wish people would make that connection. We all know people in this country love playing football, but you've got to go and support it at professional level. Otherwise, mm. there is no pathway for little Johnny or Joanna. Yeah, you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I do think that that's one of the first things you know. Um, people ask me, I say, go down and watch the W League, go down and watch the yeah, A League because absolutely. I know like yeah. our family will buy f- uh, like four memberships for the W League every year. You know, we don't use them every week, but we look at it, that's an investment in yeah. the future I want to see for football in Australia. Correct. I'm, I'm investing my money or my parents' money at the moment <laughs> to go <laughs> to um, go watch these footballs. I'm, I'm learning as a player. I'm learning by watching these people. Um, 
and it's just investing in the future you want to see. Mm. That's right. And I, look, I understand that you know registration fees are a big problem. So if you're mm. paying out whatever it is, four or five hundred dollars a year to, to you know sometimes a lot more than that uh, to, to actually play, then to invest to go and watch as well. You know that, that's a, that's a big ask mm. in, in of somebody's disposable income, but. Uh, I, I do think that we need to have that that conversation about where are our supporters. Um, now, the A-League has done a you know, pretty decent job overall uh, of, of converting more of the participation base into fans, mm-hmm. but we're still nowhere near at the level that we should be. I mean, I think this, you know, the A-League at the moment, just to give the A-League as the example, our average at the moment is about 10,000, maybe yeah. something like that. It should be after 15 years it should be closer to 20,000. Yeah. It really should. And we have not converted the, the early promise of the competition into meaningful results. Mm. Um, we all know the reasons why. You know, the W League is a similar story, although you, W League is probably on a growth curve, to be fair, um, obviously much lower level. Uh, but people need to support our professional leagues. If they don't, mm. there's no future. Simple yeah. as that. So, Simon, just, uh, just to cover a couple of other things before we let you go, there's no FFA yeah. Cup this year, so it was cancelled. There was yeah. 765 <laughs> clubs that had um, uh, registered for that, or registered or mm. entered or whatever, yeah, which is massive, mm. um, but obviously because of the logistics and current situation, just can't go ahead. I think that's a, it's a big bummer for, for this year. So I, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, no question. Yep. Um, I, lo- I love the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, and and the ACL is resuming mid October. Um, no Perth games, unfortunately, but Perth will be in the games. Yeah. So looking forward to that. And um, some of us who have got our ACL shirts will actually be able to wear them, which is good. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know if you are aware of the principles for the future of Australian football. Have you had a look at that document? I have. Yes, it's studied good. it quite closely. It's massive. Um, look, I, I think it's. Uh, Without which we get carried away, I think it says all the right things. Um, obviously, it is a discussion paper. Uh, the only issues, really, that I see are probably the same as everybody else. One, there's no uh, set timelines on, on trying to achieve some of these things. Yep. And secondly, there's no details on, on who's going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, they're two big uh, gaps, but it was only ever designed as a discussion paper. I think the problem is, you know, five years ago, we had the whole of football plan, and yes. I think ten years before that, we had the Crawford report, yes. and we've had this report and that. Report. And you know, we never actually act upon any of those these things. So I think people are a little bit weary of uh, it. It's not that it's a, a bad report by any stretch. It says everything that you want to hear about the future of football in Australia. But how are we going to get it done? And more importantly, when? I it, think that's what people want to see. It's kind of like a snapshot of where we're at, though, and where we'd like to be, like a strategic plan without the timeline yeah. and, and yeah, who should be. Yeah. <laughs> without the timeline and the funding, it's not strategic, is it? It's, yeah. it's a plan. Uh, it's, it's a wish list, yeah. really. Yeah, with no um, means, yeah. Which the whole of football plan was in 2015. There's nothing wrong with the whole of football plan. Yeah. But, you know, there was never any detail as to how to actually get there. Mm-hmm. And five years on, that appears to have been, you know, put in the waste paper bin, and we've got a new plan. But it's got the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, you know, look, I, I have faith in James Johnson. I think he, he's... You know, he's clearly a football person. Mm. He understands the sport. Um, I think he knows what needs to be done. The big question is, can he line all the different ducks up in a row behind him mm-hmm. and get everybody you know, speaking with one voice and get the money to actually implement this stuff? 
he can, he'll go down as a legend. Mm. What about the FIFA relief plan? Have you had a look at that one and the amount of money that they're going to distribute to help member federations? Uh, I've sort of vaguely across that. Yeah, I think this was always the plan that, uh, you know, that they were going to give uh, money hand down. I mean, they've got obviously huge cash reserves, FIFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, every member association, I think is getting, is it a million dollars or, or just it, slightly it, over? I can't it was a lot, that. yep. And a lot of it was yeah. being dedicated to the women's football cause too. Like 50, right, okay. Well, fi- about 50% yeah. in some of the confederations. Yeah, well, I mean, 50% is, is right because, mm. you know, 50% of the population are female. Yeah, so that's what I'd say. Yep. Uh, again, you know, I, I think that, you know, we have to be careful with those distinctions. Um, but the, the money itself obviously will be welcome to a, to a lot of associations. You mm. know, I would imagine the same in Australia because, you know, as I just said, we've had our TV deal halved. We've had no income from, uh, you know, our A-League clubs for the last, goodness knows how many months, three yep. or four months. Uh, so the game needs cash. Um, yep. you know, it'd be nice if there was investment from, you know, big business here as well instead of chucking it at the Manly Sea Eagles or the, you know, I don't know, the Fremantle Platypusses or whatever they're <laughs> over there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And um, what, what about just to finish up, over in the UK, um, we, we talked about the women's footballers pretty much having an exodus now that the... Uh, a World Cup bid has been secured for here. There's been a lot of players secured contracts over in the UK. What about um, the men's side of things, Simon? How's Man City doing? <laughs> uh, well, we did we did uh, we did all right the other night. We, we smashed Newcastle five 0 But prior to that, we lost one 0 away at Southampton, and prior to that, we beat Liverpool four 0 at the Etihad. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. You know, the, the league season, obviously, for, for City, uh, for everybody else, apart from those fights and relegation, I mean, it's, you know, you're playing essentially dead robbers, really. Mm. Um, so it's difficult to gauge it. And, the, you know, the trophies that obviously City now want to win are the FA Cup, which are in the semi-finals off, and most importantly, the Champions League. Yeah. And that resumes in August. I think they're going to play it again at, at a central hub uh, somewhere in Europe. And, uh, you know, that's the trophy that, that City wants. The, the other big thing with City, of course, is that we've heard today that we'll get a final ruling on Monday from CAF as to whether their Champions League ban for the next two years stands or mm. not. So that's that's a big day looming for City on Monday. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Leeds have been doing all right. Uh, in fact, I haven't even mentioned that word Leeds in I don't know how long, maybe since Harry Kuehl was there. <laughs> but um, yeah. they're within, like I don't know, how many points of a return to the Premier League? Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think they need seven points from the last four games or something like that they're, they're very close uh, they beat Stoke the other night quite handsomely and um, I mean Leeds have been one of those stories over the last three or four years goodness knows how they've not managed to get promoted but somehow they haven't yeah. um, and I, you know I'd, I'd be fascinated to see how Marcello <coughs> excuse me Marcello Bielsa goes in the Premier League because he, he is a world class coach mm. and really shouldn't be in the championship so I, I don't think he will be next year I think I'll get promoted and they deserve to be there they're massive club leads huge Simon it's been fantastic having a chat to you really appreciate it and uh, we'll look forward to having a chat to you next time and see how that job hunting's going for you don't forget uh-huh. you can always come and land there's a spare seat in the studio here right <laughs> great what's the, what's the way <laughs> I can pay your membership <laughs> good on you Thanks, Simon guys. see ya Simon Hill is football commentator and journalist, uh, more of the journalist than the football commentating at the moment, Mm. but uh, always good value.
always a pleasure to have him on the show and talk about anything football. We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat with Perth Soccer Club WNPL coach Danielle Brogan. This is Penn and Miranda in the studio. Back soon. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station sponsor. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Please don't fence me in You think playing like a girl is easy? Let me show you what it takes. Playing like a girl is a hustle. Don't expect to be paid like Messi or Ronaldo. There's money in the women's game, but not much. Be ready to get an extra job or two. Playing like a girl means you have to be your biggest fan. Because the cameras won't always be focused on you. And if you want to catch their eye, or even get a sponsor, people will tell you to use your looks. They may even tell you to listen to Set Bladder and wear tighter shorts to get a bigger audience. <laughs> Playing like a girl means that when you get to the World Cup, you're armed to the teeth with nothing but resilience. You're not competing on an equal playing field because your field will make you bleed, burn, and bruise even more. And you take it like a girl. Playing like a girl means having thick skin. You'll be told that your game is boring, that you're not as skilled as the guys, and what you achieve won't be cause for celebration. But you have the satisfaction of knowing that a woman has outscored the likes of Neymar, Benzema, Suarez, and Ronaldinho. And when you play like a girl, you never let your guard down. You keep your eyes on the ball. Because though uncertainty rules your world, it doesn't rule you. Yeah, the odds are great. But since when do you back down from a challenge? You are fierce and prepared. You are ready to outrun the naysayers, the haters, and anyone who told you you're weak. Because you've got what it takes. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Miranda in the studio. And that was just... Uh, Play Like a Girl promo from one of the American sites, um, 2016 that was. And it just makes me think how much the landscape of women's football has changed. Mm. Just look at the messages out of the last Women's World Cup. You stand up in our own right. We're diverse. We're culturally different. We attract a different crowd. We play in a different way and we still are successful. And that's just the messages have just changed to 
your change room's over there. You'll be lucky if you get anywhere near what the men get paid. There's no pathway for you. You've got to fight ten times as hard. Like it's just all different now. Yeah. yeah. And we're not, not at all of those places yet, but we're just uh, moved along a lot further. Mm. Love it. Love the messages. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. Thank you for having me again. You're very welcome. Uh, a great start to the season mm. for uh, Perth Soccer Club and um, your team's looking really good with some really good names. Um, the post-night series, man, you've blitzed it. Good job. Yeah, thank you. I mean, obviously it's um, one game out of 14, so I had to make sure the girls obviously enjoyed the win um, but then, you know, turn their heads to the up-and-coming game tomorrow this week, so... It was good. I think a more of a confidence booster for them. We were close in night series a couple of times and, um, you know, I was a little bit worried that it would get them down, not having a win on the board. But, um, look, they came out flying last weekend and then hopefully we can only improve from there. Absolutely. And we should mention that some of the players in your squad, Jenna Onions, um, Beck Bennett in the goals, Jamie Duncanson, Emily Henderson, you've got some great names in that squad, which you know, just on their own give merit and credibility to the squad. But, um, you know, looking pretty good. Uh, obviously, the coaches, you know, stepped in there. Well done and, and got everyone together. Um, and the club's giving the support that you need to move forward into a WNPL season. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we knew the bulk of the squad um, heading into the application and a few players we had listed down that we, we really wanted to get on board and, and, and building on that. And I think through night series, um, you know, we, we were able to use quite a number of our 23 squad and give them the experience through that competition. Um, but we always knew that, you know, Jenna would be coming in. Um, we've got Liana um, Cook, who's hopefully not too far away. Abby Meekins wasn't too far away. So I think COVID was actually a blessing in disguise mm. for us because all we really needed was a little bit more time to get everybody gelling. And, and to be completely honest, just adding in a few extra players, um, having the experience of Nicola Bolger in there and obviously Katie Holsom, we just really um, came back a different team. And I think the break was good for them and, um, you know, we obviously needed to get everybody match fit again and that would take a couple more weeks. But I was so impressed with the with the training sessions from the get-go as soon as we were allowed to come back from COVID. So it's good. I mean, at the end of the day, we wanted to build something. It wasn't just about this season, but the club has supported us from day one and, um, you know, Gary Morocchi is down there. We can barely get rid of him some days. So, um <laughs> He's, he's there at the front of it all and, and the backroom staff and, and everybody in the office. So, yeah, look, it's um, it's a it's a great club to be at and, and um, you know, all the girls are so happy to be involved and have the backing of everybody. Yeah, you've seen the facilities at Perth Soccer Club upstairs, obviously, where all the, um, the, the canteen and the functions happen and that massive trophy cabinet as you walk up <laughs> those very impressive stairs <laughs> you can't miss when you walk past. Um, there is an absence of... Anything female football in there, I'm, I'm sure I can't think of one trophy or one photo in there. So um, it's your initiation this year to make sure that the biggest trophy in the cabinet at the end of the year is one that you've provided. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's a long-term plan. And, um, you know, we do have our internal goals within the team to finish as high up the table as possible. But we also need to be realistic that um, – you know, the greatest teams in football weren't built overnight. I mean, you look at the successes in in the W League as well and, 
you know, Melbourne City are probably the only ones that really did set the ground running. But if you look at their team on paper, you can understand why. But, mm. I mean, we, we've given the girls, um, you know, no pressure on them. We've got winners in the team and, and that's exciting. And, you know, the girls, they don't take losing lightly. So I'm hoping that eventually we might be able to catch up to the men in some way. But, um, but yeah, look, I mean, just having the club support it and knowing that this is a building process and hopefully over the next, you know, two or three, even five years, um, that's where we'll really start to see the results. But at the end of the day, we want them to be playing a good brand of football and and um, hopefully the results will show from that. At least have a very big, lovely, fully framed photo that you can put up there <laughs> so that you can state your claim for the next season as well, Danielle. Yeah, there will be. So we had um, our season launch just before COVID started. Um, as a club so there are a few snaps that will be coming out of that and you know there's photographers at every game so um, yeah there'll be definitely a, a one up there by the end of the season I'll make sure of it. <laughs> Good to hear yep and next time I, I go up there I'd like to see a, a lovely women's photo in there in that great big trophy cabinet. Now um, we, we had been talking about the fact that Football West are covering all of the NPL games this season, both men's and women's, not in terms of being um, like match reporters at all the games, but having the live stream on YouTube, which has worked out very successfully because uh, more than 50,000 people had uh, logged into the streams last week. And yeah, wow. Yeah, I know, and, and that more than the guys. Mm-hmm. And that was one yeah. of those was me. I was ecstatic that I was able to catch all of the games mm. um, just uh, by being at one and then nicking over to another one. And But uh, technolo- technology just enabled me to do that. And I, I kind of hope that, you know, we we will benefit from that in some way, not just we'll sit at home and watch the games, but, you know, the weather's like this mm. on Sunday, we'll go and yeah. watch the games. <laughs> yeah. I do think yeah. that – Yeah, sorry. I do think that um also from a playing and a coaching perspective, it provides another benefit because, you know, I can sit down and – we're playing Redbacks this weekend and um, our coaches and our players can look at their previous games and analyse them a lot easier than we could do yeah. in previous years. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you there, Miranda. It's, mm. um, you know, we're always – I have noticed a lot of the clubs are starting to film their games internally, but getting your hands on the equipment is makes it a little bit difficult when you're the opposition. So, um, you know, from a social and a professional point of view, mm. I think that it's the best thing for the game. And, um, you know, I'm from over east originally and, you know, I had a lot of friends and family over there tuning in. Um, I know Katie Holtham's parents in England were up watching it <laughs> and her brother in Canada too. So we are going global. Um, but look, for you, from a professional point of view, um, it's really good. And it's, it's the same for the girls, you know, we we can have a look at, who we're coming up against and the styles that they play and, yeah. and then obviously use that information at training um, leading into the week. So I think it's a fantastic initiative and, um, you know, hopefully that's, that's just the normal heading into next season that we keep doing it because I'm surprised at the numbers, actually. I didn't realise that. Mm. But, um, you know, even for our game against Fremantle, we had an unbelievable crowd from both sides. Um, and, you know, the men's masters were following us, but a lot of the crowd ended up, you know, leaving Same. after we had finished. Yeah. So we knew that they were there for us. So, look, it, it's a great start to the year. And I just hope, you know, perfect weather. And it looks like it's going to be like this tomorrow. So, mm. you know, a few people can get out to some games, but then, you know, you can go back and watch the replays on YouTube. That's uh, what you said then is great. You said that the crowd left 
after they watched your game, a female <laughs> game, and there was a men's game playing. I remember being at many of the W League Glory games at winners. NIB. Yeah. And that's right. That they would there'd be gaps between the games. So the Perth Glory guys would play, then there'd be a gap, and then the ladies would play. And a lot of the crowd that'd come for the guys, they'd leave because yeah. it it was hot in there. Mm-hmm. It was, you know that time of day, and so on and so on. So the yeah. crowd for the Perth Glory women's game was a lot less, and always disappointed me. Yeah. So hearing what you just said then was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's always difficult. You know, it's a it's a family event a lot of the time. So I know what it's like having your kids out for five, six, seven hours mm. um, back to back. But, I mean, this is one thing that we've really pushed for at Perth this year. Um, next weekend, we actually have a Super Saturday. So our men's first team will be playing at 3 o'clock and we will be kicking off at 5 o'clock straight after against Murdoch and, um, or Mum. So, mm. um, you know, I encourage everybody to come down to Dorian Gardens for round three, um, you know, there'll be live music upstairs. The bar will be obviously open. Um, there'll be, you know, dinner provided for both teams following the game. So, you know, we're really pushing to have these back-to-back games and, um, and you know, obviously taking the opportunity of Football West approving it. That will go ahead next Saturday night. So, um, again, I, I would like to see, obviously, a lot of the men's crowd stay for our game. And I mm-hmm. think that will probably be the, the turner there where when it's, the other way around, can we get them staying to watch both matches? Yes, uh, and just on round three next week, so there's games across Saturday and Sunday. Curtin and Balcatter are also playing on Saturday. Um, your game against Mum is on the Saturday. Redbacks and Fremantle Sunday and Subi and NTC on Sunday. And I'm pretty sure that the Mum games are now going to be Friday night. So All of them. Uh, I think, yeah. but I'm not sure. Um, so there'll be Friday and Curtin play their games on Friday, Friday. nights mm-hmm. at their lovely looking stadium there or grass. Everything's <laughs> looking pretty good actually. Um, so yeah. m- m- my thoughts on that are the games are spread across Friday, Saturday and Sundays and and Football West is being, being very amenable and allowing when they haven't before in previous years, Danielle, in the NPL games to be double headers mm. and on different days. And I, I think that's great because it's, I mean, there's a lot of young um, players playing and one of them is sitting in the studio here and there's um, study commitments as well. There's also going out to watch other games when mm. you know other family members might be playing or mum and dad have to take them here and there. So having it fixed on one day has maybe been good in the past but now it doesn't suit um, and we can tee it up f- through you know, facilities like Perth Soccer Club where you can mm. have a double header and have a great facility where people can um, stay for dinner. Stay, yeah. Exactly right. It creates an yeah, income definitely. stream. It uh, makes a nice feeling. People want to bring their mates along. Yeah. It's just, it's all it, it together. It's uh, a better package. This yeah, and year. I did, I did find you know we had our first game of the season on the Friday night, which left you know me free on Sunday. Went down, watched the Perth Frio match, then came back, um, caught the second half of the Melville Barracuda match because that's right near my house and you know made a day out of watching football as well as um not because if you know, you're playing on the Sunday you don't really feel like going out and watching another match yep. and um you know trekking it across the yep. down the freeway to watch someone else but um now that you've got different days you can say oh I'm, I'm playing on Friday or I'm playing on Sunday maybe I'll go down Friday now and watch that match that's going to be good and you know check out other players and um how their teams are going along how does your chauffeur feel about that <laughs> I, th- I think he's just waiting for me to get my license, or he's going to he's going to make me catch the bus soon. I reckon. Oh, I think Nick secretly loves it. <laughs> 
Hey, Daniel, have you got some potential World Cup players in your squad? We're talking uh, 2023 is a, a great platform for some of the younger players to develop for, forward to. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a secret, but, um, you know, Nicola Bolger, I think, is probably one of the best midfielders this country has seen that didn't really get to play on that platform a lot. I know mm. she... I was in the Canada World Cup and then unfortunately, um, you know, things just didn't go well for her and she decided to give the game away. I don't think that is on her radar, but, you know, she has the ability to be there. But, I mean, you look, Emily Henderson was in the Junior Matildas once upon a time and she's the perfect age for for that World Cup. Um, But, you you know, having the MPLW in in Perth is the only thing that I really think is going to help us develop these players. Mm. I mean... Sam Kerr is a one in a million, but, you know, surely we've got players that are going to be pushing, um, you know, to get to that level. And I think we've got the quality there, but we just need them to be playing week in, week out, um, you know, competitive environments. And I think that's what the MPLW has provided. So, you know, can we use this platform to then, you know, make Glory more competitive and, and all the local players playing in there? Because to be honest, obviously, you know, we've seen so many Matilda signing in Europe over mm. the previous weeks and and I don't see too many internationals coming here this season for W League with what's yeah. happened with COVID. So we're going to have to rely on our local players and yeah. the younger ones. So, um, you know, Jenna Onions has been in glory for a number of years now. Um, but, yeah, look, there's, there's potential there. Jamie Duncanson's obviously a workhorse and I think her is it's more for her learning the game and understanding and then the different roles and positions mm-hmm. and, and different ways of playing. So... Look, there's a few there that are earmarked. Um, Liana Cook, Abby Meekins coming back from an ACL. She's starting to look really good. So there's a few there, but, you know, rather than pushing them straight into the Matildas category, I'd just really like to see them impress in W League and, and yeah. put a stamp on it, um, you know, and try and bring the club a little bit more success and, and build on what the youth players did last year. Yeah, and I do think that, you know, now you've got all these, you know, almost like a mass exodus of players from the W League over to Europe, it's going to become the Perth team is a Perth team. You know what I mean? And especially with the combination yeah. of COVID as well, not getting as many internationals in. It's going to be, okay, okay how, how well can you develop your youth into a professional environment and have them, Definitely. Um, you know, it's going to be a New South Wales is pretty much going to be a, you know, a Sydney team and especially, you know, Newcastle, they saw last season um, really showcase their youth and, you know, how they're developing. And as a youth player, I'm excited about it really. And a lot of other girls um, my age are really looking forward to this coming season. Mm. Danielle, what's your thoughts on the Matildas coaching job? It's um, here when no one kind of knows what's happening there, and with the football landscape as it is, uh, the current Matildas coach is under contract to an A League team, mm. and um, his contract for the Matildas was going to be Until concluding. After the yeah, that, that's right, which has been postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of grey causes, area? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So. Um, there's a yeah. few candidates being thrown out there. What's your thoughts? Oh, look, I think whatever the decision is, it needs to be made as soon as possible. Um, you know, the girls are doing what they can to make sure that they're prepared for next year's Olympics by signing these unbelievable contracts overseas. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I played in the UK in 2014 and the league was well and above back then and it's only improved. So... You know, it's so good to see them making these moves. But now I think FFA need to back them up and make a decision on it. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I don't think it can be forced. Um, I don't believe in gender being um, a topic. I think mm. the best person for the job needs to be selected. And obviously, yeah. this is a long-term program, but we need to be realistic. You know, Sam and Caitlin Ford and, you know, they've got another four-year cycle, but... Mm-hmm. You know, how will their bodies be at the end of the next Olympics and the next World Cup in, in Australia? And, you know, we need to make sure that we are showcasing them that, them at their best. They're in their prime in those years and have the best coach that's going to be able to push them and hopefully get us into the finals and win a World Cup. So whatever decision um, it is going to be, I just think that they need to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would, I would like to see someone hold the position for a number of years and really try and... Um, build an environment and a squad that's maintained yeah. and creates a legacy over the coming years. Well, there's yeah, definitely. Th- there's 32 teams in the upcoming 2023 Cup. Mm. So if you look at 32 coaches needing to be found of top quality, yeah. then we better start looking now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, definitely. <laughs> and if they're not looking already, something's wrong, I think. But yeah. I mean, you look and, and, you know, Miranda says the word legacy and, mm. You know, Tommy Samani definitely left his in the couple of things that he did. And um, although Stad didn't go out on a good note, I have to say that he left his own legacy there in women's yeah. football. And it's a shame we've lost him from the from the women's side of things. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think you're completely right. Whoever's coming in, this isn't a part-time job, yeah. you know, just to kind of get you through to your next thing. It needs to be something that they're committed to. We need to somehow pick up on all of those 50,000 uh, live streamers and growing and somehow get some investment platform in there so that we can have, I don't know, a crowdfunding or a, like a, put a dollar in the jar every time someone live clicks into the live stream and dedicate it to the next Australian coach because we don't have a whole lot of money in the kitty in yeah. the FFA. So to get the best coach possible, we've got to throw everything at them. And how are we going to mm. do that? Yeah. We've got to come up with some answers real quick, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few over there in the Sydney offices. I think that's what they're paid for. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it, 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 being offered a national team job is something that will probably only come once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, club jobs come and go. And, and you see even Joe Montemuro, who is one of the front runners, I don't believe he would take it because of how well he's doing it at Arsenal. Yeah. You know, for someone like him, he's moved his whole life over to the UK to to find something better and he was successful at Melbourne and now he's, he's doing quite well at Arsenal. So, you know, th- those those opportunities that you can pick up every now and then, you can have a break from a club and, and then pick up another one. But the national team, and Tommy obviously was, was there twice, but in periods where women's football wasn't at the stage that it is now. So I do think that obviously money is one thing, but at the end of the day, if... Um, if you're serious about being a leading coach, why wouldn't you want to take on the play pool that we've got available? Mm. It's been fantastic having a chat to you, Danielle. Good luck in your game for the weekend. Thank you. No problems at all. Enjoy the weather and have fun enjoying what you're doing. Thanks very much for having me again. I'll speak to you soon. No problems. See, See ya. ya. Thanks. Bye. That was Danielle Brogan, the Perth Soccer Club Women's National Premier League coach. No wonder we abbreviate PSC WNPL. <laughs> a lot to say, but uh, yeah, good to have a chat to her. She's sounding very comfortable mm. and happy with the way things are going. Yeah, the support 100%. that she's getting from the club, which is great. Yeah, it was a great environment being down there. You know, the crowd's really getting into it, and obviously Dorian Gardens is probably the best facility in the league at the moment. I'd say. For yep. the, and yeah, it was a great game. I think uh, Danielle won't be too happy that I. Um, 
wasn't confident that they'd get the job done. But I know <coughs> last week I was saying um, it would be the game of the round because, you know, Fremantle have all this expectation on them. But Perth, looking at them, their lineup on paper had so much potential. It was mm-hmm. just a matter of time before they started gelling and getting results. And they've done that quickly and they've done it at the right time, really. Absolutely. We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat with Tom Simone, the Football Ferns New Zealand women's coach. This is Penn and Miranda in the studio. Back soon. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. Four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe Australia. We're all in this together. I want to succeed so badly because we have such a great team and the fans, I think that we owe everyone around us something. Everyone is bought in. I think the togetherness within the squad is huge and it just makes you want to put everything on the field when you know someone's put in a big tackle and you're like, I want to put in a, a tackle like that and I want to play for her and I want to win for this club and this, these fans. This team is special. This team is ruthless. This team is family. This team gives everything for one another and this team no matter what will show you heart and passion every day we get on the field
We're back. This is the World Football Program with Miranda and Penny and Tom Samani on the line. Good morning, Tom. Good morning or good afternoon from the Harbour City. Yes, <laughs> it would be. How are things over there? Are you able to have the freedom you desire? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Things here are, are pretty much back to normal. So um, things are, you know, been busy catching up with people that I haven't seen for a long time. So, yeah, pretty much is pretty much life as normal. What does winning the bid for the Women's World Cup mean for you, given that you're the New Zealand coach and you're living here in Australia? What's the next step? <laughs> really good question. <laughs> um, for me, um, I, I don't quite know what it is for me personally, but I think um, for women's football here and in New Zealand, it's a fantastic opportunity to take the game to uh, uh, another new level and, and to really get it cemented and established and to actually um, regrow some of the areas that are perhaps are in need of, of growth. Uh, and generally, hopefully, we take this opportunity to put the game in, in such a strong position that it actually... Uh, we kind of surpass other sports in some ways, but in other ways we don't. But this is a great opportunity to, for us to really put uh, women's football, you know, at the top of the the main sports of, uh, sorry, the main female sports in the in the country. I think one of the things that's a real challenge at the moment in sport, well, football generally, Tom, and and I'll I'll differentiate between the men and the women is that women, unless they leave and go and play professional contracts in other countries. They play here because they love it. Mm. So it's still fairly amateur in Australia. So I think the effect of the COVID-19 and lack of funding and hit to marketing and sponsorship and whatever hasn't really affected football here. Uh, for females, I'm talking here in Australia, sorry, um, but with men's football, it's meant that semi-professional football, A-League and all that other kind of thing has been severely affected. So FFA – sorry – yeah, FFA Cup has been cancelled. I always get the FA Cup and the FFA, FFA. Cup just mixed up in my head. <laughs> but anyway, the cup that's been cancelled. There's hub football uh, being sorted out for the A-League, which starts in six days to finish the current season, and so on and so on. But we haven't even dived into the W League season, which is a summer season, which mm. is supposed to be starting, and and our borders are closed. Uh, supposedly, mm. and we can't attract international players into the league. How is that going to affect us? Well, Miranda and I, I think we both agree a lot of younger players are going to be jumping into those positions, which is great for Australian football. Mm. Not quite sure what that means for New Zealand football, Tom, but do you see those kind of things panning out, that kind of scenario happening? It seems to be. You know, I think um, realistically it will be very difficult to get international players here mm. for the W League unless – or, uh, you know, there's quickly a vaccine for this this virus and, and things clear up. Uh, and I th like anything, I think misfortune in one area gives an opportunity in another area. Uh, and I think a couple of things, uh, like you just mentioned and Miranda nodded too. Uh, mm. I'm sure she nodded. Can't yes. tell, obviously, in radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it does give a, a greater opportunity for domestic players. Mm. And, and that way, again, is a, you know, has... As, as pros and cons, the, the the cons are that because we are the world game, that uh, the people watching the game are aware that if you have a W League and there's no Matildas and there's no overseas players, the the quality and the professional professionalism of the league um, is a bit lesser. However, if you look at any other female sports, 
it's really just the same situation because every other female sport in Australia really doesn't have foreign players. Mm. So they have domestic players. So it's an opportunity um, for people to go and, and support domestic players. And it's an opportunity um, for ambitious domestic players to start to look at where they can take the game. Yeah. Uh, and and there's a lot of pluses in that. And and then hopefully within that plus is the, the chance for more New Zealand players to play in the league because one of the, the challenges that I've found is that we have uh, players in New Zealand who I think would do well in the league, but because of foreign players, it's very difficult for them to get contracts because they're not quite good enough to be considered foreign players. Mm. So with the, the lack of European and, and American players, then that hopefully will open up opportunities for New Zealand players to participate in the league as well. It's an interesting scenario how we've got, I'm um, talking WA, so borders are closed, but we've still got people coming and going. Mm. There's still flights happening. And um, as we've seen from this week, a lot of, not from WA, but a lot of Australian players are leaving Australia and going to seek professional contracts mm-hmm. Elsewhere, which is great, yeah, really, really good for Australia. Sorry, Tom, um, um, because it means that we're going to get their players upskilling, um, playing in competitive environments, and being really super fantastic when they play against New Zealand in the Women's World Cup. <laughs> um, but the final, <laughs> yeah, the final. That's it. Wouldn't that be great? Australia, New Zealand in the final. You got some work to do, Tom. <laughs> um, but it, business. It, you know, I mean, Clive Palmer must be incensed at the moment because some borders are closed, but sports people are coming and going and getting all these exemptions to do what they need to do. But there's still, you know, frustration with business levels. So it's all these different inconsistencies happening, but still sports people are able to do what they need to do. They're, they're, they're leaving or, and not many are coming. Well, but yeah. They're still leaving. How come no one's coming here, yeah. Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, didn't you guys keep your borders pretty closed for a, for a long time and not yeah. let anybody get over there? Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's. I mean, the advantage you have as sport or or one particular industry is that you you can isolate that group. You know, it's hard if you just say, "Well, everybody can go anywhere." But uh, mm-hmm. I think the testing that they've done with the the various sports groups um, has been has been easier to do than if you just open it up to generic other mm. generic industries. And I just, you know, the, the interesting thing, it just highlights how important sport is and is a, is a part of life yep. in, in, a, in Australia, as in most countries. Yep. And, um, and I think uh, it's great that the league's coming back now, that the Melbourne players have been last allowed, allowed, allowed out of Melbourne, mm. I suppose, yes. to... Uh, Jeff Hopkins last night, and um, they'd been given the the green light to come up to Sydney. Although I have to spend fourteen days sort of in hotel isolation, but can still train. So uh, I think that's a good thing for the league, and a bit more positive news in what's otherwise been a a fairly bleak year for for football. Mm. Yeah, it has. We talked to some junior players at the start of the show, um, 12, 13, 14 year olds, just to see how they felt about things. I think it was unanimous across both of them that they play just for the hell of it. Yeah. They like mateship and um, participation, fun. And um, neither of them seem to have aspirations to play at higher levels. So at that age that they 
possibly would have been exposed to the media and their coaches saying, you know, there's glory games on and there's Matildas and Socceroos mm-hmm. and, and whatever else. But uh, yeah, they're a, a typical teenager playing sport with possibly what mum and dad and the government would want out of a young player is that they're out there being active, keeping fit and healthy mm. and playing for mateship. Yeah. And, and that's important, and, and I think we often get away from that. And, yes. And we often get away from the the other important values that sport actually gives you. But, but they're not there. You don't consciously think of them, but, you know, being part of a team, having the discipline to have to turn up for training, um, getting the physical activity, because, again, um, in this lockdown, I think, has in some ways uh, emphasised the important of phys- importance of actually people being physically active, and how that impacts your mental health and all of those, mm. those other things. And I think that's where sport's great. So, you know, in reality, you deal with, if you like, two trends. There's the, the elite trend and then there's the, we're playing sport because we actually really enjoy doing it. And it, it gives you all these other great things and, you know, great friendships and this is, I say, physical activity and all those other side benefits that you get from it that you don't often think about mm. until you start getting, like, older. Yeah. Yes. Although there's a lot of similar similar things to professional football that you've got to make a commitment to training and you also make a commitment to your teammates too. Like if you don't turn up to training, then you're not going to perform as a team on the weekend. So you've got to like your mates and trust them enough mm-hmm. that even if you didn't at the beginning, once you start doing your training sessions and your team activities off the park, then you get to learn about or learn all about your mates, your teammates, yeah. and, and then you get trust and you develop relationships. And those relationships tell on the park that you're becoming uh, better friends and better teammates mm. and you play better football. Yeah. And that takes a whole yeah. season to figure out and by the end of the season you're winning games. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and you do make that connection. And I think, I think the unique thing with sport, which is probably a little bit different than a lot of other things, is that and one of the reasons I think you get that great connection is that the is a result that is actually a result. You're in you're in a, a thing together that on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or whenever it is, that there's a result. There's a winning, there's a losing, there's the, the fun part of an enjoyment when you're winning and the frustration at times and disappointment when you're losing. Mm. And then you need to get up for the game the next week. Whereas in a lot of other walks of life, the result isn't that immediate. Mm. So... So you have a different kind of connection. And I think that's the, the great thing about sport is that the, the connection of that immediacy of actually having a result. Whereas if you're in, say, the corporate world, sometimes you, your result's not known for six months, two mm-hmm. years, three yeah. years. And by that time, people have moved on, etc. And I think that's a unique thing about sport is that there is a result and you're all in it together. And the result is the same for everybody. If you win, yeah. you all win. If you lose... You all, you're all, you're all lose, and you need to then have the character and the commitment and the work ethic and all those other things to then try and say, okay, well, we're going to try and do better next week, mm-hmm. and, and everybody impacts everybody else. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that, Tom. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. But oh, well, you know, ten years on your show, it's not bad that I've come up with one thing that you've liked. <laughs> Come on, don't be rough on yourself. <laughs> who, who are some of the New Zealand players that we should keep an eye out for? Um, well, there's a couple. Again, like the Australian players, most of our players 
are now playing in the in the US or in, in Europe in mm-hmm. various parts of the world. Um, you know, we've got a couple of young girls, uh, uh, young girl Paige Satchel, very quick striker, who's played in Germany last year, but she's back in New Zealand now. Um, young centre-back Claudia Bunge, who's, um, who's had some offers to go to Europe because of obviously this uh, uh, pandemic thing, hasn't uh, been able to, to do that. Uh, we've got a very outstanding young goalkeeper, Anna Leake, who's at Georgetown University, but I'm not sure with how things are happening if or when she's able to get back there. So those are just, uh, I think, three of the players that, depending on what happens, will hopefully be in the W League if they're, if they're not going overseas for mm. to Europe or somewhere else. Yes. And you're, you're right. The way that we can look at that is that uh, I remember when Perth Glory, men's team Perth Glory, um, one, of the, one of the years, it might have just been out of the kangaroos kind of period, before they kicked into Perth Glory, or or that first year after, and the the Glory players, there was a lot of WA players. There was Scotty Millers and Jamie Hamels, the Naven brothers, and they were all West Australian boys. Mm. And the stadiums were full. Yeah, and you know every, they, they'd come out of the local leagues, so people had knew them by watching them week yeah. in and week out. So when they started to play in the national league. They transferred their attendance from their local games to the national league, mm-hmm. so we had yeah good attendance there and familiarity. And I think you know, convey that into the W League if you're having the younger players that have been playing in the local leagues then step up into the national leagues. Mm. Hopefully, the same attendance goes with it. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And and what I'm being difficult back in back in those days, uh, uh, the time was coaching Canberra Cosmos. It was a great place to come. The shed was full. The, the brilliant environment to come to. Uh, great crowds at the game, and obviously the team was successful at that time as well. Yes, I remember Canberra Cosmos. Didn't <laughs> Vince Colosimo play for Canberra Cosmos? Who? V- Vince uh, Vince Colosimo? No. Simon Colosimo. Simon Colosimo. No, no. Really? <laughs> okay. I think down in Melbourne. I think. Well, he certainly wasn't there when I was there. I wish he was. <laughs> yeah. Superb player. Mm. Uh, Tom, have you heard about the FIFA relief plan? And the and just like, recent that they've FIFA have dedicated a whole heap of money to the confederations. Uh, um, I would like to say yes, and I've read it in depth, but the answer to that is no. No, that, that that's okay. It, it's it's been a little while coming, I feel, but you know, FIFA do have pretty big coffers. And you, we talked to Simon Hill earlier on the show and, you know, there's people suffering at confederation level, obviously TV deals and sponsorship and all those kind of things have suffered, which has meant that money hasn't been able to be injected into leagues and football as it would otherwise. So if FIFA have come up with their relief plan of grants and um, injections to the confederations and a lot of it has been 50% dedicated to the women's side of things. And I really appreciate reading that because um, we, we played a promo from 2016 early and I was watching Miranda's face and it was about how women had to fight hard to get heard to their coaches and change room facilities and so on and so on and how that's changed. Mm. And I, when I saw the FIFA relief plan and, and they said a minimum of 50% would go to women's football in a, a lot of the programs, I thought that's justice. That's just how it should be. Yeah, That's taken a long time coming, Tom. 
Right, and and, and to be fair, FIFA, I've had some uh, recent calls with with people at FIFA, and they they actually have big plans for the women's game. They're very much on board with mm. with women's football, uh, and introducing a lot of the things that are in men's football, like a World Club Championship, and you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so they actually at this moment in time are treating women's football very, very seriously, and, uh, and as they should, because it's the area of the game that's actually booming. Um, and I've, you know, I, I, I used to have these frustrating arguments at FFA at times, when even back, you know, when I was a Matildas coach, somewhere between twenty and thirty percent, twenty-five and thirty percent of registrations were, were females, mm. and and it used to frustrate me that in in even just a business model, if you've got twenty-five or thirty percent of your customers females, then you would actually start to to look at doing things to continue to grow that number um, and to put things in place and to take it seriously. Um, and, and now, you know, as the game's evolved over the last probably six, seven, eight years, those things are actually happening. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's just time and evolution. But I also think if you actually go back, it's not that long, you know, it's really happened over a fairly a short period of time. Mm. I mean, if I go back to nine, and I can go back this far, if I go back to 94 when I first took the Matildas, I mean, at that stage, and, and you were involved then, Penny, at that stage, the players were actually paying to play for the country. Yes. Mm. I mean, and, and you might say, well, that's a while ago, but it's only 25 years. And in real terms, that's, it's not that long mm. um, to go from there to where the players are now and where the game is now, I, I think the, the strides have been enormous and, and I think the women's game right at this moment in time is in a great space. I, I think that um, you're right and that those figures that you said, 25 to 30%, that would kind of in your head go, well, okay, 25 to 30% of the revenue, you'd want to spend that at least 25 to 30% back into the membership and then develop it and then grow from there. We have come a long way, Tom. We really mm. have. Now, we're going to have to talk more about this another time. <laughs> oh, we're running out of time today. But I really do appreciate your time and um, we will chat again um, because no, we always yeah. cover so many topics with you. So thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for bringing me on. No problem. <laughs> Stay safe and well and we'll chat again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Likewise. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Bye Miranda. Bye-bye. That was Tom Samani, who is the national coach for the women's football team. We'll likely see a few of their players land in the W League if the W League goes ahead, yep. I reckon. Um, next up is Lynn and Bags Groove. Mirandi did an awesome job today. Thank you. I think we can team up any time without the guys in the studio. And, yes, it's going to mean more women's football is going to get talked about, and that's okay too. Creativity is rewarded. Lynn is next with his Bags Groove Jazz Show. See ya. Later, everyone. Sean's in next week hosting. And always looking to the future. Nothing is insurmountable. This is the opportunity to inspire everyone. Not through big words and empty promises, but by leading the way 